0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, Justin Ferguson here, Painter Shuffles over there. Hello, Painter. Howdy, howdy. So, Painter, we uh, we probably were thinking we were going to get through three more of these uh, game recap podcasts and not have a win to talk about. Um, there was, a, you know, maybe a oh. sense of just, all right, let's hurry up and get to the end of the season from a lot of people in the Auburn fan base. Um... I think, but more importantly, that was not the uh, the mindset of the Auburn basketball players themselves because we're here to talk about a victory. Auburn seventy-seven, Tennessee number twenty-five. Tennessee, by the way, because they have to by law rank twenty-five college basketball teams <laughs> every week. Seventy-two. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a big big deal for Auburn because they could have easily, especially with Sharif Cooper down could have easily limped their way through the end of the season. And lo and behold, they get an opportunity to play a quality Tennessee team. Not a perfect team, a very flawed team, very underachieving team, given as much talent as they've got. But still a pretty good team nonetheless. Auburn hadn't beaten a ton of those recently. And uh, they pick up a five-point win at home over the Vols. Fantastic. I I mean,
1: to be quite frank with you, tennessee is a weird team but i mm-hmm. wasn't feeling confident based on the
0: last few performances and it all started with a tweak it all started with a tweak in this game and what we've seen from auburn this season that without sharif cooper they have a really hard time holding on the ball on offense a really high turnover even turning the ball over at a high rate sometimes with sharif cooper and struggling to get consistent offense without cooper there were you know too reliant on him on offense so we saw that against Florida, horrible first half offensively, you know, picked it up in the second half, but it was too little, too late. In this game, Auburn was able, with their own defense, which we will talk about uh, throughout this podcast, with their own defense, hold off a Tennessee team that is also very flawed and very inconsistent on the offensive end. But they make a tweak that Jamal Johnson is going to play point guard. A position is not a natural position for him, but instead of making Alan Flanagan, who has had turnover problems this year, when he's, especially when he's playing point guard, let him play his natural position. In the words of Bruce Pearl, let Al be Al. And then when you have Jamal Johnson on the floor, let him run the point. Let him run the show for Auburn. And it, it's a tweak that I didn't even think of. You know, I didn't even think it was going to be possible that they were going to do something else. It felt like, okay, you're just going to ride with what you got here with three games left in the season, and just kind of make your, make the most of it. But it was a move that they felt like they needed to make, and it was a it was a really, really savvy move because Jamal Johnson only turned the ball over one time against Tennessee's defense. And Tennessee's defense, by the way, number three in the country heading into this game in defensive efficiency. This is an elite, elite defensive program. And, and Auburn did not let them stifle them on offense, didn't let them... Create a lot of turnovers. Jamal Johnson, by the way, I didn't even realize this stat until we before we just got on. Jamal Johnson's turnover turnover rate this season is 9.7%. Tell you how good that is. That is 66th among qualified Division One players. He's one of the best in America right now, at, at at you know who plays that kind of a kind of minutes at taking care of the basketball. So putting him at the one and letting him be the steady hand, be the veteran, be the leader. Made all the difference in the world because when you put him at the one and let him go to work that way, that lets Alan Flanagan stay at the three. And, man, did Alan Flanagan have a game in this one. He got to be himself for most of the 40 minutes of this game. And, I mean, he soared with it.
1: I mean, I think the main thing I took away from that was very impressed, obviously, at Jamal, but also, like, and I'm sure we'll get to this, flanagan and how big he came up in the game Uh, but it was nice to see that tweak and it was nice to you know almost to this point i'm like man i wish that they had gone to that earlier i don't know if this will be a one-off and that they were just a good matchup against tennessee but looking down the stats category auburn did protect the ball and obviously given the score that and some of those offensive rebounds turned out to be huge and so huge praise for jamal johnson
0: yeah, one of the things that I found very interesting after the game is that Bruce Pearl talked about, you know, he gave a lot of praise to his assistant coaches, um, you know, including his son, his son, Stephen Pearl, who, if you remember correctly, played at Tennessee under Bruce Pearl. Um, also, you know, shouting out uh, uh, Mike Burgermaster, who is assistant director of operations, who's kind of served as a, as a sort of offensive coordinator for him this year. And then also shouting out uh, a graduate assistant, um, Maddox Jeffries for like kind of pick, picking up the scout and saying, "Hey, you know Tennessee's got this great defense, but here's how you, we could possibly beat them." And part of that was, well, if you take care of the ball and you drive it, you know, kind of get around the corners, get get downhill on these guys, um, you can have you can have some some opportunities to score. And Auburn did things on offense. Saturday that they haven't really done much this season. They ran some plays that they you know, especially under the basket that they had not run all season, Pearl had said and it, I don't think it was necessarily a case of like, well, you know why didn't you do this earlier I think you don't do quite some of this stuff earlier because you because you have Sharif Cooper for this long stretch but I also think it's just Bruce Pearl really, really likes beating Tennessee It's his six <laughs> in a row against these guys There was a post-game video Tweeted out by the by the Auburn um, by the Auburn basketball account of Bruce Pearl saying after the game, "Hey guys, thanks for having my back out there. You know, we beat them. Six, we beat these guys six times in a row. Thanks for having my back." And then they all celebrate, and they Photoshop the little quick frame of him with the deal with its sunglasses. Which, as some of you may know, pretty much every celebration video they've had against Tennessee over the last few years, they have put. That Those glasses on Pearl at some point. Some excellent trolling. Good work. Excellent trolling. But Bruce Pearl wants to beat these guys. And this was kind of like a... It wasn't a last stand. You have another game against Mississippi State coming up at home next Saturday to wrap up the season. You have the road game against Alabama on Tuesday night. But this was kind of like, okay, if you can put your effort in, like, can you get a win right here? And now the the tenor and the tone of the end of the season, no matter if Sharif Cooper is able to come back from his injury or not, completely shifts with this game. So, I mean, this was a total team effort. Like, everybody was on board. Jalen Williams said it after the game. We all kind of looked around at each other and said, oh, this is it. Like, we only have a few games left. In, in his words, next season feels like a forever from now. And so it was going to be a long offseason. If we don't, you know, pick it up and, and come together. And so... You saw that because for some reason, as Pearl said after the game, Auburn looked like the team that wanted to be there more. And Tennessee had a billion more reasons to want to win this game than Auburn did. But which team looked like the more energetic, the more focused, the more determined in this game, that was Auburn. And then they they had enough tweaks and execution changes in this game that gave them the win.
1: It was exciting. Genuinely watching the last few games, my thought was, okay, these guys have finally hit a point in which – they're ready for the season to be over. And you certainly couldn't blame them, but it also made watching the product very difficult. And going to your Tennessee point, and thank goodness for Bruce Pearl for many reasons, but it is certainly fun for him to get this one. I know, you know, he probably talks publicly very nicely about Tennessee, but I know that must feel good. And maybe this thought of mine isn't true, but I do expect that some fans, especially at large state schools, like Tennessee's uh, fans, think Auburn is just a little brother. You know, they're an afterthought. But given how desolate Tennessee has been in football over the last decade and a half and how much they've lost to their big rival, Alabama, for the last decade and a half, and given now that essentially the one school that they cannot best is Auburn and their former coach, Mm -hmm. I do sort of feel like they are living in a special hellscape.
0: It's tough because, you know, after the, after the game, you know, you go through and you see a lot of Tennessee fans, and, like, they're upset with Rick Barnes. I mean, let's keep in mind a few things here about the University of Tennessee's basketball program this year. Number one, they were picked to win the SEC. This was the team that was going to be – if not, they weren't unbeatable, but, like, they were going to be the team to beat in the SEC for sure. They had the most talent. They had a good mix of experience coming back. They had Rick Barnes. Tennessee, Rich. once again, a lot of hype around them. A lot of hype around them, as there usually is um, (laughs) around Tennessee. But it it felt validated this year. It felt validated.
1: Yeah, I mean, as much as we have talked about experience and how much it matters and talent, Barnes has done a good job of combining that. And that was a big talking point about Tennessee last year was, oh, wait for the 2021 season or the 2020-2021 season. And they're a fine Mm -hmm. team. And, like, I guess what – they were trying to finish in the top four. I don't know if they'll still have a chance to do that with uh, two games
0: remaining. But, you know, I mean, Auburn is really not looking struggling. Likely. This is a game that Tennessee needed. They needed a win here. And they didn't get it because Auburn, the team that has had a tendency to get pushed around down low, as that has had a tendency to not be – As energetic and focused as they should be. Some of that youth stuff and some of that, you know, just being undersized stuff coming through. They kicked Tennessee's tail on the boards in this game. And to me, I don't know, I don't know if you feel the same way, Painter, but watching this game, I felt like this was a repeat of the Auburn-Kentucky game at home where Auburn just looked at this other team and said, hey, we can beat you at your own game. What What does Tennessee do really well. They play great defense, they score on the inside, and they get to the free throw line a ton. Lo and behold, that is exactly Auburn's formula they used to win this game in the second half especially, because it felt like every possession you had to be locked in and focused on the offensive end for Auburn. And they made right decisions, they took care of the ball, they got to the free throw line, and they played aggressively. And that flowed out of uh Alan Flanagan. But like that's the vibe I got from this game. This this felt a lot like the Kentucky game.
1: So let me back up just a little bit here because I think all of what you're saying is true and it's exciting given what we've had to talk about over the last few weeks with this program and where we think, all right, don't give up. There's a lot to be positive about, but we're not gonna lie, it's been hard to watch. You said about Jamal, well, the reason he's not been playing is he's been playing his natural position, and Sharif Cooper had been healthy during most of that stretch. Do you think, in retrospect, yep. having watched, it's a small sample size, and you're right, Auburn, for a number of reasons, may have just had Tennessee's number and matched up well against them, but they did protect the ball. The whole team did. They did a good job in that area, as you mentioned. Do you think if they had it back, they'd have tried playing Jamal as Sharif's backup, or are we getting into a situation where it's like, uh, kind of hard to know, uh, why it is they, they stuck with Allen. And obviously, like, they have access to watching the guys practice, so there was some reason mm-hmm. for that decision. And so second-guessing them now after one game is a little bit rich of me, but I am curious.
0: It's a, it's a fair question. I think it was one of those things that when Sharif went down, it was like, all right, you, you're now down a guard. You have to step up. Like I think it was one of those things where, like, Jamal Johnson and, and Devin Cambridge knew they were going to play heavier minutes instead because of the of the injury. And I just think this was just a tweet that it kind of made sense because Allen had such a hard time holding on to the ball against Florida. He had, what, six or seven turnovers in that game. He is so much better on the wing than he is having to run the point that, you know, I, I think it was just one of those things where, like, all right, you want to get the guy who's really good at driving the ball uh, downhill. You wanted the ball in his hands. And it was like, well, no. Maybe it's better to get the more experienced guy out there. And there's nothing really about Jamal Johnson's game that's that says immediately, "Hey, he should be a great point guard." I mean, other than the fact he doesn't turn the ball over much. Um, but yeah, no, I I think if Bruce Pearl, I mean, look, Bruce Pearl is pretty uh pretty honest about like saying, "Hey, I wish I could, I would have done this differently or this differently." And I, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's one of them uh, looking back at it, um, just because of how effective it was on, on on Saturday. And part of it was you got. Alan Flanagan and the opportunity to be Alan Flanagan and be what he is, which is a wing who can score and get downhill and draw contact and fight for rebounds and has take over the game type of potential. I said it a few days ago, and I I think feel like I've said it throughout the season. There's a faction of Auburn fans who are convinced that Alan Flanagan is not that good <laughs> Listen, Alan Flanagan is a very good basketball player. And if the Tennessee game did not solidify that for you, like the criticisms of Alan Flanagan this, this season have either been misguided or flat-out stupid. Like you're in that kind of range at that point. Misguided in the fact that, yes, he turns the ball over a lot, but like you're making him do something that he's not built to do. That's yeah, kind I think of he a, wrote something
1: that, uh, not long ago that seemed like a fair criticism. Was that sometimes you know he clearly turns the ball over again, playing out of position, and sometimes it's almost gets like, a little one track know, with the ball. Yeah, gets to playing a little bit fast, but again, like all of that stemming from the fact that they never anticipated him playing so many minutes at the one.
0: Yeah, and he 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 thrived in the uh, in the Kentucky that first Kentucky matchup. He's thrived in some of Auburn's wins this season. Um, he played his best game really since the South Carolina blowout because he got to play his style, which is, let me get around these dudes. They can't stay in front of me. They're going to have to foul me. You know, I'm I'm going to get to the free throw, and I'm going to hit some shots. And he was very, very effective at doing that. He he got to be himself. And when you get to be yourself and play in your natural position, it changes so much. Just keep in mind, especially when Sharif Cooper was out there, Alan Flanagan is up there in the SEC with double-digit scoring performances this season. Yes, he turns the ball over a good bit, but a dude who can get downhill, get tough baskets, rebound like a grown man, defend pretty well, those guys guys can be the glue of a team. And in this game, because Tennessee was as soft as they were, (laughs) especially down low, he thrives in it. I mean, we've seen Sharif Cooper do the same thing, and like he kind of put he kind of put that on. That was the the M one he had in the second half. I mean, he he, it's exactly what you want to see. And then you know it got got uh, got waved off because it was it was oh, you know not a, it just just off the off the uh, a shot clock violation. But I mean, he throws that hammer down, and it was like, all right, guys, like. I'm coming, I'm coming for you, and those two points might not have counted, but you're going to have to deal with this for the rest of the game. And you're going to have to deal with what – and Auburn fed off that in playoff. they shot extremely well in the second half, especially from deep. Guys were able to play off of them well. It's just you saw this team kind of play more natural position, and that goes back to Jamal Johnson stepping up and doing something that he's not used to doing and doing it really, really well, and that's the value of experience, right? We've talked about how, how young this team is and how hard it is to make the adjustments – um, to to be adaptable in the, in these times. Well, Jamal Johnson is Mr. Experience on this team, and he doesn't have a ton of a, to begin with, but he's seen a lot of college basketball at this point in his career, and he's able to switch over because he is the steady hand for this team, and he and he led for him, and he helped his teammates be better by doing a pretty unsung role of of just you know handling the ball like unsung in terms of his statistics. I should say. He didn't get a ton of assists. He didn't get a ton of shots. But the, the shots he did put up were really good ones.
1: Right, and I can't help but look at the 12 turnovers they had and go, you know, there's a lot of games this season where if they're around that number, I think we've got a different game. So, you, oh, yeah. you know, you, you, now you take that with the fact that Shreve has often excelled in terms of, of allowing Auburn to score more. And so some of those turnovers, you know, you kind of weigh it out, right? But at the end of the day – uh, that is that is excellent. I can live with 12 turnovers all day. Especially relative yeah, to, what, Tennessee, the, the 20 or so that we had kind of become accustomed to during some of these
0: yeah. tough losses. Yeah. It, the second half, by the way, Auburn averaged 1.344 points per possession. That's really good. They scored the ball 62% of their possessions, only turned it over on 18% of their possessions in the second half. They played really good basketball and kind of still got to play in their element, right? And because Johnson was able to you know, make that switch, make that adjustment. By the way, Jamal Johnson had one of the coldest moments I've seen this season. And I went back and watched it on, on you know, <laughs> the highlights that Auburn put out and on the TV broadcast. You can't hear it just because of the way the audio was mixed. He hits that pull-up three with about seven minutes left to go in the game, uh, late in the shot clock, hits a pull-up three. And I'm telling you, man, he puts it up and halfway to the rim – he just goes, that's wet, bang <laughs> off the I mean just eyeball. got him I mean right between the eyes he put he put it on that guy. but that's the confidence that you can have and like I guess that's where I keep coming back with this team. There's no reason that this team should have been this confident. There's no reason this team should have been this hardworking, this energetic, this focused, whatever you, whatever adjective you want to use for this game, considering what we've seen for the last few weeks and yet they were and that's the thing that I keep coming kind of going back to with this point With this point remember earlier this week Jamal Johnson was on IVs you know he he was he was battling flu-like symptoms he fights through plays a lot of minutes on Tuesday night a few days later he gets the game ball because he steps in in a really big spot and play and, and plays for it because even though the results have not been as good, and as Pearl has said, they have not won as much as they liked today, and had as much success as they wanted to this year. It has been a rough year for this basketball team. Despite all of that, they're still plugging away. And that's culture. That is a culture of success. And so if you don't want to just scoreboard watch or box score watch, there's still a lot to like about this basketball team. And in a game, they got a they got a home game without Sharif Cooper to prove all of it. I guess a pretty good Tennessee team, all things considered, because you say pretty good with an asterisk. (laughs) How many actually good teams are there in college basketball this year? Six, seven. Somebody's got to be twenty-fifth in the country. Might as well be Tennessee. But they're still a top-half team in the SEC, and you just you've had a hard time beating anybody recently. And you go ahead and get them. And that's the thing. This team did not give up, even though there were moments that they looked like they were going to. They did not on Saturday.
1: I'm sure it felt like to some of our listeners in the most recent podcast that we were gaslighting them. And certainly we tried to attack that with a little bit of a different philosophy given how disappointing some of the losses had been. And even admitted, hey, we're not going to come on here and throttle these kids. But we did highlight that Jamal played through that sickness. And, you know, at the time, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there were people going, yeah, great, you know, whatever. But after a a win against this team, it's very clear that they did not fold without their best player, and that same guy that played through sickness was one of your most important performers. Mm
0: -hmm. So I just want to say that and
1: say we weren't trying to gaslight you. We really do believe that even though the win-loss record this year does not reflect it, good things are to come. And that, to me, could not have been more evident in a game in which I imagine most people, myself included, wrote Auburn off.
0: Right. Okay, even with this season and even where they are right now, but if you as you sit here on Saturday and we're recording this on Saturday night, as you sit here on Saturday night, the end of February in 2021, and you look at the rest of the SEC right now as a, as basketball programs, is there any program that you would trade their status right now for what Auburn's got? Right? Like that Being that's I'm saying this. Alabama just won the SEC regular season title on Saturday. And they've had a great second year under Nate Oates. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do in him because they're going to be a younger team next season. Arkansas is really good this year. But it's early. It's early. They have not had sustained success yet. Alabama hasn't had yet. It's still early for Nate Oates as well. And it's been very impressive what those two guys have done early on, him and Eric Musselman. But is there another team in the SEC that you would trade where Auburn is right now as a program, even knowing at this point they are 12 and 13 and 6 and 10 in the SEC and all the crap you've gone through this season? If you're an Auburn fan, I'm asking you, Painter, is there a is there a team that you would trade their status right now as a college basketball program in the SEC for what Auburn has at the moment?
1: No, because I realize how much talent and experience next year they will have in particular. We don't know what happens, but if you get Sharif back suddenly, you're thinking it's a single elimination style tournament, but Auburn's got as good a chance as any to certainly make it to the second weekend. And then from there, it's just a total crapshoot, Right. And speaking of Alabama, looking at their roster, Herb Jones is a senior. John Petty is a senior. Reese is a senior. Bruner is a senior. And they'll get some other good pieces back. Um, Shackelford, Quinterly. So, I don't want to say just write them off. They've got a talented team. Oates is doing a good job recruiting. I think they're here to stay. But, you know, four big contributors, certainly two of them, are seniors. And that obviously matters. Yeah, and also, I, and I will say, I will culture, say this, what Bruce Pearl mm-hmm. had to do, the depths he had to take Auburn out of from Barbie's era and even, you know, from the lingering of, of Lebo, it was a lot farther than what it was Oates had When he inherited the likes of Kyra Lewis and like you can kind of knock Avery Johnson because I do think they underachieved with with how he was able to assemble some of those. Yeah, so like you can knock him, but he he actually did an okay job of assembling a roster. And what Bruce Pearl inherited, Mm -hmm. you know, sorry to the guys that that first season that were playing with him, but you know, it's just not the same as what Alabama's dealing with in year one and year two under Nate Oates. So that's sort of my context to why it is Alabama is probably ahead of where Auburn was in year two Bruce Pearl is not starting in the same place Nate Oates was but I'm getting off base here it's hard to imagine if Sharif comes back I would especially in that conference I mean as good of any next year you think this is a team that, that's going to be in position to win the regular season
0: I mean, that's the thing I keep going back to it's culture It is culture culture gives you an opportunity to win this game even though you have really nothing to play for and you've been through all, all that you've been through, all of the gut punches we talked about, you know, last week. It's culture that gets you to the point where it's like, even though you're going to take a step back this year, and even though you're not going to be as good, you've got guys still locked in. you still got guys focused on improving, because they know what's coming up down the road, and they know what's ahead. And so, it's, again, like we've said all season, they, it's easy to get lost in the losses, right? Like, it's it, losing sucks for everyone involved, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, like it, it sucks.
1: And I think two things, but, there, your, your rival's success makes it harder. Plus I was tricked a little yeah. bit as in conference play. Once they got Sharif back, I convinced myself that they were going to overachieve and it looked for a moment that they might. And then that did not happen.
0: They probably would have had a shot. I mean, who knows what they look like if they had a full season with Sharif. Right. And you can't, You cannot plan for the NCAA keeping this dude out for half a season, and no one knows why. And what feels like very arbitrary. No one. No one. Yeah. Right. You cannot plan for a really good freshman player suffering a horrible concussion that knocked him out for pretty much what's going to end up being most of the most of the season, most of the SEC season. By the way, having Justin Powell. Back out there for Auburn, I think was huge. Really good to see him kind of out and around, you know, because we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him since he left the floor against, against, uh, when he got hurt against AM. Like, we have not seen him. Um, so that was a good sight to see for sure. You can't plan for any of that, but like, I want, I want everybody to realize this as well. This Auburn basketball team, currently 65th in Kempom, um, if you look at it, Overall, there are only three teams in college basketball with losing records that are higher ranked on Kemp Pond than Auburn. One of them is a the Penn State team that has played the toughest schedule in America because they're in the Big Ten, uh, and that's a really tough conference this year. Another one is Kentucky, who, man, everybody really wants to talk themselves into them making a run in a... In Nashville, don't they? It is Absolutely. weird. Can we, we take a every... moment
1: and just let me get your two cents on why that is? Is it the brand? Is it because we like to think that when teams like Kentucky are playing for something that it's more interesting? Like I happen to think the opposite. The year that Auburn went on the final four run, ESPN talked a lot about how boring of a term it was. It was. And I was like, well, UVA just came off of a really weird loss to a 16 seed. And then you've got Auburn and Texas tech, two teams that traditionally don't belong in the final four. It's like, what do you mean this is boring? And I sort of feel like that's the case in the SEC this year. It's like, oh, well, Kentucky's no good. The SEC's not as interesting. And it's like, eh, it's kind of nice. It's a little refreshing. Do you have an opinion about why it is people feel this way about Kentucky?
0: I, I just think it's because people, like, it makes sense. Like, media people want Kentucky to go deep because it means more ratings for them and more interest. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it's a bigger deal when Kentucky makes the run. I mean, they – they're the biggest brand in in the SEC and one of the biggest brands of college basketball period um, but they won three straight games over by the way, an Auburn team where they had that wild free throw disparity at home. They beat Vanderbilt by four on the road, and they beat Tennessee, which we now know Tennessee doesn't look that very doesn't look quite as good as we thought they could be uh, this season and then they lose to Florida in this game at back at home. They're 7 and 8. And now it's like, now it's like, okay, well, why are we, yeah, why are we continuing to, you know, try to convince ourselves that, that Kentucky's going to make it right? And they might. Yeah, I mean, anything's just, they're, they're possible, when they're you're just that not a talented. good They're just not a good like, games, like whatever. Right. They're they're talented on paper. They're not a good they're not a well-constructed basketball team. They're just not I'm sorry. They're not they can't they can't score Consistently, they're 303rd in the country in effective field goal percentage. Are you kidding me? You have the <sighs> best recruiting classes every single year. You shouldn't be in the 300s in anything. Anyway, I think it just it just goes back to culture because, again, let me look at Kentucky. Look at all the recruiting classes they have. You're in a better spot than you than Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky got you once this year, and they're a little bit better overall. But like, you've had their number recently if you're Auburn. And so I just I guess go back. I think it was very gratifying. I think for this. Basketball program, this team, this collection of players, as it is right now, to get the win that they did on Saturday against Tennessee, and show that hey, it's not doomsday, it's not the end of the world, (laughs) because those guys know it. I think I'm pretty sure they know it, and some some Auburn fans know it. A lot of Auburn fans probably know it. But like to get that and actually show up on the scoreboard was big. By the way. Another guy I wanna shout out, like I feel like Alan Flanagan gets like the the negative attention from Auburn fans, from some Auburn fans. It's a it's a it's a vocal minority, I'll put I'll put it that way. That, you know, isn't deserved.
1: Yeah, the brilliant subscribers Williams, here at The Observer and our listeners of course yes. understand that Alan Flanagan is not the root of the problem and it is why we love you, because we know that you're brilliant.
0: Smarter than that. This is, this is giving you ammunition to tell your, tell your friends who might not be as smart. Um, <laughs> the other one I want to point out is that I don't think Jalen Williams has gotten quite the amount of love or attention that he should because, once again, this is another game where Jalen Williams doesn't have a ton of rebounds, doesn't have a ton of points, best player on the floor statistically in terms of plus minus, or, like, best, like, most impactful player because on both ends of the floor, I mean, this was a game for him, and I know he didn't get a ton of rebounds. I feel like both of the rebounds he got were, like, grown man rebounds. Um, but either way, this was a game where you had to be tough and physical on the inside, and you had to, you had to show that you wanted it more, and you were going to be willing to fight through the contact, you know, and play tough on the inside. And I think I think Jalen Williams, that mentality kind of like with with Flanagan playing the way he did, I think those guys really combined to really make it happen. Jalen Williams, by the way, in this game, Bruce Pearl before. You know, during in the week leading up to this game in in practice, said, uh, "You know what? I'm just going to read this quote from Bruce because it's 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 better to get it. Bruce is in rare form on Saturday too, as well. (laughs) I want to point that out. Um, He's probably a happy boy. Here we go. Bruce Pearl saying uh, saying this because I asked him. I was like, how you know how does Jamal? I'm sorry. How does Jalen Williams keep being the best player in plus minus and? even though he's not like statistically great. like What what makes him kind of tick that way? And he started talking about how he can be a mismatch, and he's such a really hard, hard-working player and all that. And then he says, I challenged Jalen. Jalen came in this week, and I asked him, how many free throws have you taken this year? Timeout. How many free throws have you made? And he didn't know. I said, you've made 17 free throws this year. Now, I can't tell you what time it is right now. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but I know for a fact that Jalen Williams was 17 for 31 heading into this game. I said, scorers get to the foul line. He got there 10 times today. And so I'm telling you, he's just scratching the surface on being a mismatch. Jalen Williams, you want to talk about adjustments. Not only did they get Jamal to in point guard, getting Allen in his natural position a little bit more, playing tougher, playing more energetic, playing more focused, you know, keep the energy levels up on the inside. Jalen Williams got the ball in his hands and said, I'm either going to score or you're going to knock my head off and I'm going to have to go to the free throw line. And he was very aggressive on the inside. You know, being being 8 for 10 from the free throw line in this game was huge because Auburn wins a game by 5. A game, by the way, where they're plus 7 in rebounds, uh, plus 7 in, in second chance points, and plus 15 in free throws in a game they won by 5. Okay, so that is that kind of game where even if Jalen Williams isn't the MVP statistically, this is where this dude really, really brings it. And again, I wrote about him... Was about a week ago now uh, at the Observer. Yeah, I think he's the season long MVP for Auburn, even when the stats don't always show it. I mean, he just, Auburn's just better with this guy on the floor. This is not analysis.
1: You just said a bunch of really smart things. So I'm going to counter it with something okay. that's Whatever. Let's go. Love his aesthetic. Let's do it. Huge fan of the taped wrist look. That is something that I have liked and had a mm. soft spot for. So keep doing that, Jalen, and keep being valuable. At some point, enough people will warm up to the fact that you are both very important and very talented. Because it has been interesting. Even Bruce pointed it out. I mean, you were the one that told me this, but you know, Bruce pointed out, "Hey, I haven't given enough love to Jalen Williams this season." Shout out mm-hmm. to him and shout out to his aesthetic.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a strong aesthetic. You know who else has a strong aesthetic? Hoomst. Devin Devin Cambridge.
1: The, the Bouncy man. man.
0: Gotta love the headman. Yeah. Devin Cameron's, by the way, five of seventeen from the floor, two of ten from deep. I think Auburn will take every every bit of what he did on Saturday because he got six boards as well. Because I think the shots he hit, you can probably you can probably go back and look. I think all five of the shots he hit in this game were huge. Were like, oh, that was big to kind of get the momentum back in here, settle your offense down. Oh, that you know, push the lead out to a, to a really good margin in a, in, a, in this certain spot in the game. And I think Jamal, uh, not Jamal, I'm sorry, he didn't talk after the game. Alan Flanagan said after the game, he was like, yeah, we don't care kind of what his percentages are because we just know that, <laughs> you know, you want him shooting the ball. And he's been one of those guys that, you know, in these last two games, without um, without Sharif, okay, Allen's having to play more point guard. You know, Jamal in this game, it was Jamal in this game, having to play more point guard. That gives Cambridge a ton of minutes playing the two and the or the three himself. Like he's having to log even heavier minutes as well. It has that trickle down effect, and I mean, in both halves, he is the guy who gets subbed out last. You know, in the first half and the second half, they are relying on this guy to log some heavy minutes, and that's funny to me because again, he's not a dude who shoots at a high percentage. He wants to be more consistent, by the way. But remember, this is the dude that it was. He was just the nuclear outburst a few times last season, and he would be ice cold or you you know wouldn't you know you wouldn't play him as much the rest of the games he's now the guy where it's like yeah put him in there he's steady just let it let him keep ticking that's what we talk about when we talk about the individual development of these guys this season yet again you're
1: saying smart things unfortunately I don't have much to counter with for
0: do you have a do you have a dumb thing to say on on, on, <laughs> always, on top my of that? friend always. How about shout-out Stretch Akambola for seven rebounds in eight minutes? He, uh, he, threw, he threw that, he threw that and, dunk uh, off the back of the boy. rim, though. Yeah, what's his— have <laughs> That you, dunk you missed.
1: <laughs> what is his plus-minus in this game? Because there was a stretch there in non-conference play where he wasn't giving you much, if anything, offensively, but they were better when he was on the floor. Was that true today as well, given that they
0: won the game? Not, not true today, but it wasn't bad. He was a minus-two. Something you'll okay. live with, yeah. Okay. You know, something you'll live with. Speaking of plus minus, and just one more kind of kind of shout out here when we're going through the bit. Leo Berman and Preston Cook. Shout out, Leo Berman was a plus five. My man was a plus five, throwing up a two trillion in this game. He had two minutes on the floor, and all he did was run where he was supposed to and guard the guy. He did. He didn't get a rebound, didn't get a foul, didn't get a turnover, a shot, or anything like that. He was just out there for two minutes, and Auburn improved their lead by five in that in that stretch. That's big because they had to steal some minutes there, and they did it a little bit later on with with Preston Cook. Give give them about a minute and a half, two minutes. Get those guys out there and just steal them. Make the starters get a breather, and it helped because down the stretch, Auburn, in the last five-plus minutes, they did not sub. They had their starters back in. Closing time. Let them ride. And those guys can play heavy minutes in the second half. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Those guys can play heavy minutes in the second half because dudes like are Berman and you know Preston Cook get out there on the floor and give you some good minutes, um, and that's big. Dylan Carwell gave you good minutes. Akinbola gave you good minutes. Uh, Chris Moore, Chris Moore played a good bit in this game. I think he ended up playing 17 minutes. Um, not statistically great games from them, but they were effective. They did their job, and more importantly, they gave those guys who needed some breathers some breathers so that when Auburn. Got into the final few minutes of the game, and Tennessee was going back and forth and circling. You know, call, you know, Rick Barnes called a timeout like after every shot for like four straight possessions. I was not sure what was going on there. Um, while they were burning their timeouts and rotating their guys, heavy, Auburn just said, "Hey, we've got our five. We're gonna ride it out." And that's, I mean, even though the bench only scored two points in this game, and they didn't get a ton of production outside of Akinbola's rebounds, it's still a really good game for those guys. It's a, like I said, it's a total team effort, and when you hear Bruce. You'll know, come through, and mention an assistant coach, and 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 an ops person, and a graduate assistant, saying these guys played big roles in helping us get this win on uh, win today. Like top to bottom, you could tell that this team wanted it. And I think it goes back to Bruce Pearl's post game um, that video where it was like, they really like to beat Tennessee, man. And like, who can blame them? Who can blame them at this point?
1: Yeah, it's been a. Uh... Weird, almost Shakespearean year given some of the nonsense they had to deal with with Cooper. And obviously I don't have to list all this out again, but I'll do it. You know, Powell missing time and the ups and downs of conference play and then Shreve getting hurt. But I am convincing myself that he's coming back now. I don't know people. He might not. It would be hard to turn down all that money. And he certainly got the talent to compete at a professional level. But part of me for is saying that he helped get some of these players here, that he wants to go out on a high note. And uh, so I, I'm convincing myself uh, whether or not it's rooted in any sort of logic or fact that Sharif will come back and help get this team over the hump. But even if he doesn't, you know, Auburn will be in a good position. And you wrote about their ability to go to the, the transfer market, and it's not going to be hard to mm-hmm. lure in a high-caliber guard and say hey would you like to compete right away for a championship so it's it's not been the most fun year at times but then you get a game like this or you know the game against Missouri or you know whatever where it's like all right not all hope is lost it's uh, it's it's still fun to be an Auburn basketball fan thanks to Bruce Pearl and his staff and what uh I mean these guys are doing right now and i I genuinely wrote them off today and Am pleased to see that they proved me very wrong, and that these guys obviously uh, were excited to come out and get this win.
0: And then they play Alabama on Tuesday. Alabama's already clinched uh, the SEC regular season title. Be very interesting to see what what, what Bama looks like on, on Saturday. Last week, this past week, I mean they they did not score very many points. Uh, didn't shoot well at all from deep um, against. Uh, mississippi state and <laughs> their in their clinching win on saturday and uh not against arkansas that,
1: i'm laughing at the arkansas thing because let me God, just be the like first that one so to say bad. given some of the that breaks so that, that auburn has not gotten i don't give Whew. a flying a, at all that they didn't get those calls but there should never be a discrepancy that gosh large. that was so bad it just shouldn't happen so bad. but that said don't i was care.
0: I was gonna say Alabama has not shot particularly as good as they have been from deep recently, um, and they've been fouling a lot. They have been sending the other team to the free throw line quite a bit. Um, so, you know, Auburn will go in on Tuesday night, see if they can pull off the little shocker, and and uh, they'll have a good chance to beat State uh, here next Saturday, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this has got to be a how that goes.
1: I I think if you're Auburn. I'll be curious to see if Pearl takes this approach. If he says anything about it, he might not. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, but like, I do think you could make an argument that this, this is kind of like your championship game in a way. It's your big rival. And uh, Mm -hmm. they got the best of you when Sharif had just come back. It's on the road. Alabama, obviously trying to take some momentum into the tournament. So we may not hear about that, but I wonder if that will be the case if they were, you know, and, and, it may not matter. Like given what we just saw, Auburn was obviously very focused in their preparation for Tennessee and the same, even though the result wasn't good, Pearl didn't seem disappointed in their preparation prior to the LSU game. So Nope. you know, I, I'm curious to see it's if it makes much of a difference or if I'm just sort of making stuff up that
0: happens sometimes. It happens, but sometimes you're right. <laughs> That's why we keep you on here. Um, All right, well, we will switch gears here uh, talking about uh, Auburn football here shortly and some other things to wrap up the show. But before we do that, Painter, let the folks at home uh, know how they can continue to support what we're doing if they enjoy this fine audio program.
1: Rate, review, subscribe if you like the nonsense that I make up with or the good stuff Ferg comes up with. That helps us tremendously. Mash that subscribe button, please, and thank you. Uh, You guys have been tremendous. Can't thank you guys enough for all the support you've given us making this possible. And Ferg's been on a roll recently. He wouldn't say it, but I'll say it for him. He's had some excellent stories. So check those out. Generally speaking, he can inform you on some things that you you really are not going to read anywhere else.
0: If you want uh, to check out what we've got going on on the written side of the Observer, and you want a little preview, uh, I wrote a story last Thursday on Drake Sean Miller, which is unlocked for everybody to read. You don't have to be a subscriber to read that one. Uh, go to auburnobserver.com. click on the uh, Dreshawn Miller story uh, down on the page, and you'll be able to get to that. Uh, we also got a mailbag uh, for subscribers, uh, observations. We went in-depth, 26, 2700 words from this, uh, this Auburn-Tennessee basketball game. So if you want more detail on that, you can go to the website and do that. And once you subscribe, like I said, you'll get this podcast, our premium podcast that we do later in the week uh, just for subscribers and every story that we do. Those all get sent to your email inbox. Uh, if you sign up at auburnobserver.com. If you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you leave your reviews, uh, we've been reading the Apple ones. Make sure you give us five stars and make sure you say nice things about Painter and not me and them. That is the rule. And speaking um, if of you that, listen, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, uh, if you listened to our premium podcast uh, last week, uh, we had a couple of really good ones uh, that we that, that that we read off. And some people who did a really good job of following instructions. So uh, we we shout out, shout out to y'all who are continuing to follow instructions. If you don't, we might still read them, but just know that uh, we're asking for nice things about Painter. <laughs> we are not we are not above that. I do
1: want to say this: our good friend Pablo Escobarner has had some sort of feud going on with Apple. They will not accept his review. I guess. Uh, It's Uh just so polarizing and excellent. I'm going to read it briefly, if that's okay, Ferg. Let's go. Subject, a delicacy to the palate of an Auburn fan. Sit back and unwind as Ferg and the artist that specializes in blunt objects allows you to escape your dreary 9-to-5 and be thrust into the ravaging world of Auburn athletics. There is no shortage of quality banter about the topics both benefiting and plaguing Auburn at any given time justin will reel you in with the tidbits and obscure stats setting the stage for the meaningful conversation that will intrigue you enough to leave you longing for more as painter will follow it up with some banter and comedic relief but most importantly that sweet whispery vibrato now justin on the other hand may fumble on his words from time to time as he's quick to point out but he's productive a podcasting mario fanon if you will and oh, it's all perfect. Go. Cheers to that War Eagle fellow. So I just felt like we should shout out our good friend Pablo who's been yeah. very supportive. And of course, I'm not above gassing myself up. Any chance I get to yeah. talk about myself, I will. We cannot thank you guys enough in all seriousness for the support. It has been awesome. And this was a fun one to do because, you know, Tennessee, uh, you know who your daddy is.
0: Yeah, I would much rather be an audio version of uh, Mario Fanon uh, with my fumbles <laughs> instead of an audio version of Rock Thomas. Uh, Mario lasted <laughs> a lot longer. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done this. I've done this long enough now. You would feel like I'm. I, I would be better at talking, but alas, I am not. But you are not paying us for our audio quality. At least I hope not. Um, some of you are listening for free, and we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate uh, you guys as well. So. Let us switch over because, Painter, we have a very important development to talk about on the football field. And I want to congratulate you, Painter, because you did it. You did it, Painter. (laughs) What I Do Do you know what you did?
1: No. No, I'm sorry. I'm not paying enough attention to anything.
0: Painter, I want to congratulate you. I want to congratulate you because weeks ago on this very program, you were talking about how you had a friend of yours say that... You're not doing a good enough job. You, Painter Sharpless, are not doing a good enough job of recruiting Auburn high <laughs> players to come play football at Auburn University, and you've got one now. You have one now. That would have been on Thursday night, right? Yes. Powell Gordon, the linebacker from Auburn, outside linebacker from Auburn, just recently minted three-star linebacker, uh, top 40 at his position in, in uh, nationally, according to 24-7 Sports, committed to the Tigers. 6'3", 215 pounds. Pretty good up and comer. You feel like a lot more people are going to uh, start eyeballing him a little bit more. Um, you know, from the recruiting perspective, maybe some other teams as well, considering that Auburn uh, is pretty much the only big name team that has gotten in on him at this point. But a hometown kid going to the going to the to the Tigers, uh, going from the royal blue Tigers to the navy blue Tigers. First time that has happened for a scholarship athlete. A uh, scholarship football athlete, I should say, at Auburn since Big John Sullen back in the day, two thousand nine. What an absolute sweetheart! Yeah, one of one of one of the one of the all time greats, I would think. Is as as uh, just a, just a great dude, just a great dude all the way around. Uh, outside linebacker, he was he was recruited by Jeff Schmetting, the new outside linebackers coach at Auburn. Painter, your reaction as not only an Auburn fan, but an Auburn High alum as well. I've actually gotten to watch him for a few years because I was down
1: the sidelines some, and I remember watching him going, man, that kid is good. He played early in his career at Auburn, which isn't easy to do. I honestly, this took me by surprise a little bit, quite frankly, because I knew he had some offers from some other schools, but not one to the tier of Auburn, and so I was glad when it happened that he went ahead and accepted. Clearly, this staff realizes they'll have to find some diamonds in the rough, and I know that some people listening may be going, well... You know, he's not a five-star, so whatever. But I'm obviously partial here. I am biased, so there's no point in pretending otherwise. But like, I do get excited about the, the prospect of, of this kid and, and what he could evolve into as a player. He was a lot of fun to watch the last few seasons.
0: I, I think you go back to you've gotten dudes who have been ranked around this range, like Roger McCurry, like Daniel Thomas, who have turned into really good players for you, and Trial and being another one have been really good players and starter quality players so like why not powell gordon man like i've come around on that like they're going to have to find some guys that they can develop some three-star guys that they can develop into four star talents or or even higher and that was kind of the mo at at boise state for them i think it's gonna have to be the mo at auburn you're gonna have to recruit at a high level you're gonna have to bring in the five stars and the high four stars to compete but you also know that in every class you're gonna take some three stars even alabama takes some three stars so I think when you get to a position like this, um, I, you know, submitting yourself in the community. I was having a conversation with my dad about this because I'll be very honest with you. When I when I first got this news, it's like I find it interesting that they're getting him this early. He, you know, he's we're we're eleven months from the second signing day um, next season, or you know, it could be as early. You know, he could be ten months away from signing, nine and a half months from signing. And, you know, these are usually typically the guys you get late in the cycle. It was kind of towards the end of your class. And my dad pointed something out, and I hadn't thought about it from this perspective, but it does make sense, Um, so I'm not going to take credit for this observation. It was from him, Um, and I know he listens. so hello. Um, (laughs) But I think it was one of those things where it's like, you try to do this to help plant roots in the community, right? Brian Harson is not from Auburn. He is not from anywhere around here. He doesn't have experience. He's got a brand new staff for the most part outside of, Cadillac Williams, you know, this is a way to kind of put some roots down, and I don't want to say it's a symbolic thing because I think Pal Gordon can play football. He's 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 pretty good. Like as we said, I mean, we've you've watched more Auburn High games than I've had last couple of years because I bounced around. But you know, you you were a sideline reporter for them for a little while. This dude is going to bust his tail, no matter what. And I don't just say that because you know, it's an easy cliche to
1: throw out for the guys who look like us. Let's put it that way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and also the guys who are hometown kids and guys who are three stars. You can say the right, same thing about right, right. dudes like Daniel Thomas or Roger McCurry, like we were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and in but, some ways
1: it's true though, because they have to, right? Like they simply cannot yes, get
0: by on sheer talent they cannot coast.
1: or what have you.
0: But yeah, I mean, this dude is going, this dude is going to work super, super hard. He's got to, I mean, he, he's a, he's a great weightlifter from what, um, you know, I've seen recently for some of the recruiting guys have been talking about him. I think he'll continue to get bigger and better. And, We'll see how, how how it goes from here, but um, I I think it's just one of those things where you're, you're you're making a commitment and you're and you're establishing some roots in the community because Auburn High had a pretty good little track record here. Uh, it's been a while since they've had you know I mean they had Mamoud Diabate who was the most recent one. He, he goes to Florida Auburn. You know the thing with him there is that you know I don't think Auburn kind of knew what position he'd play at under the under the other system. Of course, Reuben Foster and Rashawn Evans are are, are, are famous examples so, recently. But yeah, getting a guy feelings
1: about that one or those, I should yeah. say. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you know, we talk about you know, winning your backyard is something Brian Harson had talked about a while back. They're going to want to recruit the West Coast. They're going to want to recruit some areas that Auburn doesn't normally recruit to find that kind of talent to get an edge to get it. You know, kind of exploit something that maybe some other rivals aren't doing. Um, but the backyard, they've got a commitment from Gerald Stinson from Upalaka. They now have one from Powell Gordon. Um, it'll be very interesting to see uh, if they can keep going for my guy, who I mentioned pretty much weekly now. Whenever you talk about local recruiting, Caden uh, uh, Story out of Lynette. There's going to be other guys like that. You know, Central Phoenix City is going to continue to produce uh, really good players moving forward. Um, so just establishing those roots, I think, is, is a pretty big deal. And I also think it's just a cool story if you're going to take. If you're going to have to take some 3 stars. Take the hometown kid. Um, cuz you know he's going to, he's going to provide a lot of uh you know hard work uh, for you and who knows, he might be able to develop into 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 somebody where we look back and say that was a pretty good take. You know, kind yeah, like I mean, of like some of the other guys I just mentioned. I think
1: going back to your point earlier, Alabama, Clemson, they take 3 stars. They just identify yeah. the ones they think will will fit and they've been correct more often than not and then the other part is like i'm sure those players get drastically better because of who it is they're competing against nonetheless these top end schools are still taking players that they like that are not necessarily uh, that don't look like the rest of their recruiting classes so excited for him for obvious reasons selfish reasons my high school and uh, glad harson pulled the trigger on this glad that that uh, powell went ahead and accepted and, and, and committed
0: yeah, and um, yeah, not my high school, but my pseudo-alma mater because some people assume that I went to Auburn High um, because my family's here. Every other one of my siblings will have graduated <laughs> from Auburn High. Um, I have five of them, and the rest of them, all younger than me, will end up have graduated from Auburn High. Um, my mom works works at Auburn High. So it's, it's what cool. But like, scored I, you know, like again, 10 points higher
1: than me on the ACT. And so, you know, I don't know if that matters – we know you're smarter than me, but that's not really the point. You still, you know, I, I would say, yes, you are in the uh, the honorary Auburn high circle, certainly, given your family.
0: Look, look, my alma mater, in, my, my real alma mater, just hired a former Alabama head coach to be their head football coach. Not happy about that. Not because he <laughs> went to Alabama, but just, I'm just not happy about that. Hire in general, you get an old guy. Feel like feel like it would have been a good time for, yeah, I need you to get younger, maybe hire one of my best friends. Eh, it's neither here nor there. Um, so I'm claiming Auburn High. I'm going to claim Auburn High uh, to go along with that. Kind of like I claim Painter's Bills. I'm, I'm claiming Auburn High on top of that. But yeah, that is, that is your football news. We'll want to uh, say this. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Sunday, tomorrow is March. Uh, March 1st. March means football, spring football is coming soon. Uh, in the middle of March, Auburn is supposed to be kicking off spring practices. We will kick off the month of March at Auburn Observer. If you want to subscribe, uh, I'm going to do my first uh, projected depth chart. I have not done one since Hartsen took over. I have not done one for the 2021 class or the 2021 roster, just because of all the moving pieces and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to do a pre-spring one, uh, and we're going to roll that out on Monday and Tuesday. We'll do uh, I think we'll do offense on on Monday, and then defense. On Tuesday, so you can check that out if you are into that at auburnobserver.com. More Auburn news. We just wanted to shout out a few things. Tough weekend so far for Auburn baseball. Uh, they're having they're having a hard one out. Of round, round, round. We're not going to we're not going to lament on that one too much. Uh, I did want to shout out Maddie Pinta of the Auburn softball team. Painter, did you see this? Did she throw another no no? She threw her second no hitter of her young career. Not only did she throw a no hitter. She struck out seventeen of the twenty-three batters she faced. She only walked two. Struck out seventeen batters. Auburn softball now ten and one, I believe, at this point. They're off to a really strong start. There was a lot of questions about you know, Mickey Dean and kind of how that's going to be long-term. It's a very young team, but he's got some pitchers. Dadgummit, um, they look like they can they can throw for sure. So. Shout-out to Auburn softball, uh, Auburn equestrian hammered Georgia. It's really funny when you see a headline. It's like, number one Auburn beats number three Georgia by, like, <laughs> triple the score. That continued. Uh, Auburn track and field had two – had a, had a, and I want to I don't want butch, to uh, butcher the name here – Joyce Camilli. Uh, she won the SEC title in both the 3,000 meters and the 5,000 meters. Shout-out to her. And finally, I wanted to shout-out, uh, just on the podcast, wanted to shout-out Unique Thompson. Auburn came so close to beating Arkansas on uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Would have been a really big win for uh, Auburn women's basketball. Has had such a hard season, but in Unique Thompson's final uh, home game, she already has the rebounding record at Auburn. Put up an outstanding performance and just could not. uh, The Tigers just ran out of gas late against a really good Arkansas team. So want to shout out Unique Thompson. Going to go down as one of the best to ever play uh, basketball at Auburn just did not have a ton of team success during her time. But I don't want that to kind of cloud what people think about her moving forward because I think people want to look back on her as, as one of the best because uh, she has been one of the more fun Auburn athletes around here for a little while. Excellent. All right. I think Darian Gobern think also uh, kicked some yes. tail recently. Didn't she
1: have a near perfect score?
0: She did. And uh, Auburn Auburn gymnastics needing a good road score. On Friday night at Florida, through one of their best, uh, one of their best road scores uh, in program history, and is in a good spot here, heading heading closer to the postseason. Shout out to Auburn gymnastics, Uh, Senisa Lee. Yeah, Jeff has been getting to Senisa Lee. By the way, is with the national team right now, uh, coming into Auburn gymnastics next season. Um, She's already just like lighting it up. Over there as well, so Auburn fans can get a good preview of that. So, baseball having a tough, uh, having a tough weekend. It's been rough recently for Auburn uh, basketball. Although they got the win on Saturday, they wanted to shout out uh, some of those. It's a little bit brighter. Weather's warming up. Spring football around the corner. Getting a little bit more better vibes around here, Panther. Absolutely. I
1: noticed that some of your football stories have done really well. So, just a good reminder that as much as I love talking Auburn basketball. A lot of people, a lot of you guys are super amped for football season, spring football. I'm just fascinated to know how this first year is going to go.
0: It's going to be a really interesting year, and spring ball will get it all started here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to kick that off this week with some uh, with some depth chart projections. If you want to subscribe, AuburnDeserver.com, like we said, $6 a month or $6 a year. Some of you already subscribe. A lot of you do, and uh, we appreciate that. Those of you who are on the fence who want to check it out, like I said, got the story up on Sean Miller if you want to check that out. Appreciate you guys once again. Rate and review and subscribe, all that good stuff. Love the support. Love all the kind comments. Um, love the listens. I just it's 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 been a, it's been a fun time, and I think it's only a little bit more fun as a teams start moving forward uh, with you know football practice and looking ahead to what happens for uh, for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn basketball team. But it's always good to talk after a win, though. I
1: Think I forgot the way through this podcast that this was going out on a Sunday and that it is one that everybody can listen to You just understand how patient you have to be to be Ferg to deal with me because it's like he has to at every turn remind me of like it's Saturday and you have things to
0: do painters so we love Ferg yeah but I mean I, I figured that's what Sarah would be there for <laughs> alright we shy. will talk to the inner circle later this week we will talk to y'all on Wednesday for the rest of you we will talk to you next Sunday subscribe at auburnobserver.com Painter, what do we tell them? My God,
1: please beat Alabama. I'm so tired of them. But hey, I'm not convinced their own fan base cares that they won the regular season championship.